Welcome back to another season of Self Love Lounge. I'm your host, Arena Antoine, and this is a place for empowered women to share their minds and hearts to the world. So grab your coffee, grab your blanket, get comfy, and let's get into it. Welcome back to Self Love Lounge. So today is the last episode of season two, and it is so exciting. I've learned so much through each guest interaction to listeners sharing their personal experiences with me and I cannot be more grateful and blessed to have started this platform. I feel like it was the universe giving me my calling and my purpose in life and I can't wait for season three to be released already and I'm really aiming for beginning of July um, and maybe mid-June if I can squeeze that in which is honestly going to be completely different and the reason for that is because as a woman um, I'm constantly changing. I feel like the person that I was when I started this is a completely different person standing here talking to you guys on this mic and so I think it's gonna be really special and I think I'm even gonna start maybe like live videos of some sort like a series that's gonna come on and I'm not gonna say what the mission statement will be because it'll be really different but I'm really excited anyways so for today's episode is gonna be a special one I feel like I've released a post or like an Instagram story where it kind of did that the guest speaker is from a Netflix show. Let's just jump right into it, okay? Love Lounge. So during quarantine, I feel like we all went through the social distancing and quarantining with whether it was yourself or with family members. And personally for me, it was with my family and it was scary in the beginning and we didn't really know what was going to happen or what we could do. And so I tried doing so much bread I made so much bread and like (laughs) cookies and to the point where we went to the grocery store and we there was no more um flour anymore and we're just like okay well what are we gonna do so then I started watching Netflix and I think this was during the time where Love is Blind came out Too Hot to Handle and then Indian Matchmaking came out on Netflix and I was just like oh my god like I'm being seen right now like this is so new and then one of the cast members her name's Nat came on and I fell in love with her and today I'm so excited for you all to be in love with her as well so Nadia please introduce yourself hi everyone thank you for having me Arena. I am Nadia Jagasar uh, from the cast of Indian Matchmaking. I am also the founder and owner of Euphoria Events. Um, as you guys saw me working on the show, if you've watched the show, if you haven't watched the show, what were you doing during <laughs> quarantine? Um, and yeah, I'm so excited to be here and, and talk to you today. I actually did a little story poll via the Self Love Lounge Instagram just to see who had seen Indian matchmaking, who was thinking of watching it, and who didn't watch it at all or had no idea what I was talking about. Um, And most of the people had watched it, which was amazing, especially for someone of color for many different reasons. One, I think the beauty of the show was how culture was displayed, which in a Western society, that isn't really normalized enough. And if it is, 
is, it almost feels like it's glamorized. Second, the recognition of Indian culture made me personally feel seen, which is something that, again, I am not used to, and it is really exciting. And three, the fact that you came on the show authentically yourself and showed vulnerability made me feel heard, but also so much more connected to you. So I guess now when we talk about identity crisis, because in the society that we live in as a woman of color, there's a lot of identity to us because we are constantly trying to fit in. And especially within our identity, we get put into the other category that doesn't even, you know, summarize who we are as people of color. So what was that like for you? And how did you navigate that? My, I'm, I'm Guyanese. So my family is from South America, but my ancestry is Indian and I grew up in a very white town. And so it was always such a struggle to, to be like, well, I have to be like super white when I'm with my home friends. And then when I'm with my family, I'll, you know, my Guyanese side comes out. And then when I'm at dance, I've done Bollywood dancing. Like I did Bharatanatyam, Bollywood, you know, folk dances growing up. And so when I was with my Indian friends, I would be Indian. And so I always have this like struggle of how do I bring all three of those together? And so that was the crisis. And then even when it came to dating, it was hard because I just naturally gravitated towards brown men, you know, whether that be Indian men or what Indo-Caribbean men. And, um, it was hard because I like, I do have so many facets to me and to find somebody who is able to accept all three has kind of been that struggle. Yeah. Cause I, I definitely relate with that, especially having to explain like where you're from. I'm from Mauritius Island. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I have to be like, yeah, like it's this Island. It's like in the middle of like the ocean. It's like a little dot. You barely see it. <laughs> and yeah. For them to understand it, I have to be like, oh, it's near Madagascar, even though it's like sort of close to it, but not really. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Like the movie, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's, it's, so it really comes down to this point of people of color's lives where they constantly have to have these uncomfortable conversations about where are you really from? And it's not really like, yes, you're Canadian or yes, you're American. It's more so of, okay, I know you're Canadian. I know you're American, but where are you actually from? And those little subtle questions are kind of uncomfortable and it is discriminating against a person of color and that is just my opinion obviously and there's so many different perspectives where we could look at this but I think this ties into my next question of how would you define isolation and loneliness because I personally have experienced this kind of my whole life I've experienced loneliness and isolation because I never felt enough in either of my category of being black and brown and so what is your definition of that? Ooh, um, I love that question. So isolation versus loneliness. I feel like isolation, it could be self-inflicted isolation. And I feel like that, you know, sometimes needed, honestly, I feel like I sometimes self-isolate, but um, for (laughs) me, the loneliness is, 
I, I feel like isolation, you can come out of loneliness. Yeah. You have to like, you have to change your mindset. Yeah. Because yeah. you can physically isolate yourself. So you could go, you know, if you're, you know, quarantining at home, right? You just mm-hmm. go in your room and you isolate yourself away and you can come out of your room and still be with somebody. But loneliness you can be in a room full of people and still feel so lonely or you can be alone and still feel so content um so I feel like it's a mindset I I really like that you said you can walk in a room full of people and still feel lonely or you can be surrounded by so many people and still feel that loneliness I think in my opinion certain people may think that being alone makes you lonely But the reality of it is that being surrounded by the wrong people, confronting the wrong situation is the loneliest thing in the world. And going back to Indian matchmaking, when you had been ghosted by someone we were all rooting for, you showed the world a side that naturally most people fear, and that is being vulnerable. And for me, vulnerability is power and you showed us a different level of vulnerability where you mentioned how all of your friends were entering a new chapter in their lives and sometimes you feel lonely and so what was that process like for you in the show and going back to real time like how is it watching you again through that experience so going through it like real time mm-hmm. was pretty embarrassing um because it was you know with my friends and they were all like waiting to meet him because I am first of all the only single girl in my circle all of my best friends were like waiting to meet him they were like oh Nadia's been dating this guy for how many dates you guys go on? Cause like we have this thing where I never have a second date. So the right. fact that we went out like six or seven times was already a shock. Yeah. And so, yeah, the fact that he like didn't show up, everybody was just waiting and it was just like, right. okay, this is really embarrassing. It was like frustrating in the moment because he wasn't answering his phone. He wasn't communicating with me, but then I was like, all right, fine. I'm just gonna get over it. And so that's what I did. And it took a few months, but yeah. then fast forward to almost a year later and the show comes out and then I have to relive it with the entire world and you're just like oh my gosh so yeah that to like to have it come up again and have the whole world weigh in on on what happened um was was something I've never had to do before Uh, so that was interesting and and you know there was a lot of it wasn't controversial but it was there was just a lot of conversation that was happening around it and um obviously the other party came out and was defending himself but it's like instead of defending yourself just admit that you made a mistake I think people would have been a lot more accepting to that rather than to like trying to play the victim and say that I left you heartbroken and I ghosted you. So yeah, I mean, to each their own, but honestly, I'm, I'm better off, uh, you know, where I am right now. So yeah, definitely. And I think like, it's so funny because in the dating experience today, like ghosting is something that is going to happen to us like at least once or twice or we might even be the person to ghost. And so what would be your definition of ghosting if you had to pinpoint on one (laughs) so ghosting is just straight up disappearing like a ghost that being either leaving someone on red or just not responding not texting back not calling nothing obviously it depends on the level of communication that you have with that person but like if you make plans and then they don't follow up or you don't follow up yeah just literally just disappearing off the face of the earth no 
response, no nothing. And yeah, you're right. I think in, in this day and age, it's it's easy to ghost because, yeah. oh, you can just swipe right and somebody else will be there. And so people don't take the time to just be like, hey, I don't think this is going to work because that's a hard conversation or that's going to make someone feel bad. But instead of making them feel bad, you just ghost them, which makes them feel worse. So yeah. it's like, okay. I completely agree when it comes to dating in our world right now, everything can happen from an Instagram like or a slide in the DM or swipe, swipe right. You might just meet your potential partner or your hookup partner and the important thing to remember and to understand is that when we are being ghosted it has nothing to do with you or your worth I think it has everything to do with the person doing the ghosting I think people who ghost are people that are hurting within and they just don't have the guts to deal with their own emotions let alone yours and they just don't want to have the uncomfortable conversation of just being like hey like this isn't working I'm just gonna you know call it quits and move forward yeah they don't want to have these uncomfortable conversations because honestly that would be the key to growth and that would allow them to grow into the better version of themselves and so i think it just comes down to the fact that everybody's gonna end up ghosting somebody because we're all in this journey and it's not easy and so to tie this into the dating world like how has that been for you and what is it like to date someone as someone of color because there's so many explanations that comes with it and I know it can be such a struggle. Um, It's been hard because, well, just, you know, unrelated to the show, but Mm -hmm. in my regular life, it's hard because when I have to explain to someone like, you know, if I'm dating an Indian guy and I have to explain to him like what soca music is or like why my family acts a certain way or why we're all loud or like, um, (laughs) for me, it's like all of the explanations. Um, but then it was like, right after college, I had just broken up with someone. I was like rebound dating, not even going to lie about that rebound dating. And so, um, I ended up dating one of my coworkers and he was just like this Irish redhead white guy. He actually turned out to be just like so, so interested and intrigued by culture, by my culture. He came to one of my like dance shows, like one of our, so I was part of a dance company show called Mystic India. And he came by himself to like come watch the show to like support me because he was like, this is so cool. And he was so interested in like learning. And I was like, wow, he's so appreciative. But like, I just was not in that place of like commitment at that point. What I thought would have been a more a more difficult relationship in trying to teach someone about what Mystic India is or what Bollywood dancing is actually ended up being part of the characteristics of a guy that I actually want is someone who's even remotely interested in learning about me and learning about what interests me and learning about my culture and what wow. I'm passionate about. That relationship, you know, definitely taught me a lot of like, wow, people actually can be interested who aren't necessarily brown yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so it was like okay this is really cool but I mean in terms of other difficulties it's really just like explaining my Guyanese side to an Indian person because Hi. they just really don't get how similar we are and they don't appreciate the differences or I shouldn't say they to right. generalize the men that I've come into you know have experiences with haven't been as accepting of it so that's been a tough piece 
Mm -hmm. And I think like it ties with going back to identity crisis is like Mm -hmm. when we're growing up, especially like for me, when I had my identity crisis is because I was trying to fit in into, you know, the white dominant culture. And so Mm -hmm. you're looking at all your friends and they're dating like easily. But for me, it's like explanations. It's like I have to explain my mom like this is what we do here. Like we date like random people and then the next day we're broken up and it's whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But like with my dad, it was always like I had to like explain to him like this isn't like marriage like this is just like dating for now and yeah. we can break up literally tomorrow yeah. and so like I think it's just like being tired of explaining to other people and just like honoring who we are and who we want to be but I think it's so difficult and I'm not even sure why that is the case but yeah yeah no that's a great point like my friends I mean I like quote quote had like a boyfriend in high school right and like you know you do like you go to the movies or you go to the mall or you go to like Applebee's or whatever yeah. and like my parents were kind of cool with it but yeah. then at the same time they were also like not cool with it because they were just like well we're not like like your other friends or you know yeah. we're not like blah 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 and I was like what <laughs> I was like that's not fair of course that's like you know the famous like teenage line but yeah. um <laughs> Yeah, it it was uh, interesting, like dating in a predominantly white town and like not being able to date like my other friends were. Yeah, definitely. And I think like for anybody listening and going through an identity crisis, like what is your best advice to give them if they are like feeling like they just don't belong? I mean, everyone belongs somewhere. I think the beauty of having the crisis is that when you come out of the crisis you're so much stronger for it because when you're going through that crisis it obviously sucks but then when you start to have that self-love and have that realization or you open your eyes a little bit to see that like hey I'm a unique really cool person and I'm special and different in this way and you know just because I don't fit with this group of people or don't fit where I am right now doesn't mean that will be the case my whole life I think people struggle with the now especially maybe like younger generation I mean it took me a lot of years to to be able to bring all three of my lives like my three separate lives all together and find a group of friends who will go to, you know, carnival with me or caravana with me, or they're, you know, they'll listen to soca music with me and they get hyped for it. And that took so long. And we still watch Bollywood movies. We still go and watch Marvel and things like that. So like, it takes time to find people who will, let you be your full self. But I think going through the crisis, you'll come out on the other side a lot stronger and and just know that, you know, you do, everyone fits somewhere and, you know, there's a group where there's a a person who's out there who's going to accept you for you. And I wouldn't settle for anything less or try and put yourself into a bucket that you might not belong in because, you know, you are special and unique. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful the way you said that. I think like, I love that you touch on this because for me, I'm half Hindu and my dad's also Catholic. So I've had such a weird like variety of religion background. And so I would always lean to Catholic because it was like, oh, that's more accepted where I was. And then I would like suppress so much of my Hindu side, even though I would watch Bollywood movies, I would go to the temple, I would go to church Mm -hmm. whenever I could. And so I think 
after 13 years of my life, I started to post me wearing Indian suits and like being so passionate about that side of me where people were like, hey, like I didn't know you celebrated Diwali. And it was like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I've been celebrating it like my whole life. But I think I just was so ashamed by that because I was scared for other people to like make fun of me because that was something that I went through back in 2006 or eight where that was like really prominent then. Mm -hmm. And so I think like the more you hold that self-love amongst yourself, I think that's when everything kind of shifts. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's such a good point of like all of our, I guess, fears are from just from other people, but it's Mm -hmm. like, you were still doing this all along. You just weren't showing it or embracing it with other people. And it's like, people actually, you know, probably might be interested and want to learn more. And it makes you so unique and in that way. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think like self-love is so important. And when we start a business, because as a woman, it is so difficult for people not to question our ability, our worth, just every little nitpicking that they can. And what has been that experience for you creating your own business? Well, honestly, it's been such an amazing journey. I, you know, my dad is an entrepreneur as well. And so I got a lot of just my like motivation from him. Like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And so my parents and my brother have just always been like literally my ride or dies, like any crazy (laughs) idea I have, they're like, all right, we're going to support you. The struggle is that being an event planner it is a pretty male dominated industry. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, you know, most of the caterers, the venue owners, the DJs, the, you name it, most of the vendors are men. A lot of like, obviously makeup artists. I mean, there are some male makeup artists, but most makeup yeah. artists um, are females. Otherwise, there really aren't a lot of women in this industry. And so at events, I've gotten hit on, like, I can't even tell you the number of times that one of the vendors has like tried to hit on me. And I'm like, we're literally working right now. Like, do you mind? Oh, you were so great. Oh, blah, blah, blah. You're beautiful. This, this. And you're just like, this is so unprofessional. Like if I was a man, would you have texted me to go get a drink? Like I had a caterer at one event who literally yelled at me in front of the entire guest. Like they were, we were waiting, like getting everybody lined up. He's like, your team wasn't here. He was straight up yelling at me. And I'm like, wow. I was like, okay. And then like later that evening, he made another one of the girls on the team cry because he yelled at her. I'm like, dude, what the hell? Like, yeah. It's just, especially like older, like Indian uncles in the industry. Mm -hmm. I literally always have to have at least one male on the team, like on our team for any event solely for that reason is because most of the vendors, like older uncle vendors won't talk to me or if they do, they're super disrespectful. Um, So it's been really hard being in a, in a male dominated industry, but it's, it is really fulfilling to, to work for yourself and kind of see the fruits of your labor. Yeah. It's uh, aside from, from all of that, it is (laughs) amazing like to be an entrepreneur and, and to bring my my talent or my gift to the world. Yeah, that is so inspiring to know how an empowering woman such as yourself can overcome so many obstacles that comes with having your own business, especially in a male dominant world and not to discredit any amazing men because they do exist out here and some are listening to this podcast so shout out to our empowering men as well. But recently I've experienced this moment where 
being an empowering woman or a leader of some kind can make some men or women intimidated by that. So, you know, I can see how successful women who are charismatic, which men you know, love to be around them, but some do not want these types of women to be their wives. And it's it's been shown in statistics, like eight out of 10 businesswomen say men do not come on to them. Men like to be friends with them, but they don't see a potential partner within that. So what has been your experience with that, especially being an empowering woman in the business industry? Girl, so um, I touch on this on the show too. I mean, my mom says it. She's like, I think you intimidate like the, the men that you date. And I was like, yeah. I think so too. I think it was like three theories of like why I was single, right? This was like an <laughs> ongoing thing for like years, three theories. One is that I'm tall, right? I'm five yeah. nine, barefoot. And so mm-hmm. when I put heels on or anything like that, I'm, right. I'm much taller. Second thing is that um, I'm a pretty big personality and mm-hmm. I'm not shy to share my feelings or my thoughts. And then third is that like, I do have a lot going on and I do have good amount of achievements under my belt. And I think that for a man who's not comfortable in his own skin or with his own achievements that mm-hmm. could be really intimidating and so yeah. those were my kind of like three things of of why I was single for so long <laughs> yeah. because exactly what you said that like if he is not comfortable around like a strong or an empowered woman he is going to be kind of triggered and it is intimidating mm-hmm. to be like wow this woman like a she has her shit together or she you know might like outshine me if he's not comfortable with that like that just makes for not a good foundation for your relationship yeah Yeah. and I even think like how do we go about it because I know like some women will feel like I don't want to step on the person's toe because of the preconceived notion that we have been taught of just being silent and this is not necessarily saying that all men suck I think it's just those men who feel so threatened by you know an empowered woman who's making her name for herself and just doing things that they're just not used to. So like, how do we balance that and just be like so comfortable in our own skin and not feel like we have to outshine anybody? Sometimes I think that girls start to settle and they'll dull their light to help make him okay if he has all of the quote right things that she was looking for or if he has the checklist, right? And it's like, well, eventually you can't dull your light forever. Eventually your light's going to turn back on and he's going to realize that like, oh, this isn't the girl that I was in love with or this Mm -hmm. isn't the girl that like I met who was like quiet and, and let me be my masculine self and so I say that you know shine your light as bright as possible and whoever is it's like a moth to a flame like the moth is going to come that likes the light right like there are men out there who would love to support and who are like you know my my queen is like she is shining and I'm going to be here to help support her and you're there for him too yeah Um, and I would say don't settle find someone who appreciates your light not going to make you turn it off Yes, literally. Thank you so much for just sharing that. And one of the questions that I always ask is if you could go back into your younger self, what would you tell her? Or what's the one piece of advice that you would give her? Oh, someone asked me this question the other day too. And I really love this question. I would tell her like, just do what makes you happy because honestly, I'm so grateful and content and excited about where I am in my life right now. So Mm -hmm. I must have been doing something right to to get where I am. (laughs) And I think, you know, 
obviously there were there were bumps in the road and probably some guys that I probably shouldn't have dated but like yeah. <laughs> aside from that yeah just just do what makes you happy I think that's kind of how I've lived my life so far I am definitely the type of person of do first and then ask for forgiveness later it's been good to me and I think I'm very grateful for where I am and so yeah if I had to tell my younger self anything just do what makes you happy yes for anyone listening, where can we find you on social media? And do you have any current projects that you're working on? Yeah, so um, on social media, you can find my personal page at Nadia Jagasar, um, or you can follow Euphoria. Wedding season is coming up. So that's at Euphoria Events NJ. Does not stand for Nadia Jagasar, it stands for New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Um, I'm just so excited that we got to meet. Yeah, this is amazing. Thank you so much for having me. A little reminder, how can you support Self Love Lounge? Please subscribe, rate stars, write a review, and you can also find us on Instagram at selfloveloungeunderscore. underscore. And I will see you all every other Wednesday.